0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision, brought to you by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. My name is Dr. Bill Takesta, and it is my pleasure tonight to bring you a panel of speakers as we talk about dating with low vision. One of the things that I hear every day at our center is that many of our patients will ask questions about, what about dating? Because I'm low vision... Will I ever be able to go out on a date? How could I go on a date if I don't have a driver's license? How am I going to go anywhere? Is it possible? Can a person who is visually impaired or blind ever get married? And I spend a lot of time talking to our patients about this because social interaction with friends and others is something that is very, very important. And we really want people of all ages regardless of whether they have perfect vision or if they're like me and have no vision whatsoever, that they can still meet people, they can still date, they can get married, and they can do all those things that they hope to do and that they want to do. So this evening, we have many people here on our panel who are willing to answer some of these common types of questions that people with low vision may have regarding dating. Uh, this podcast is also being recorded by Airs L.A. and Mr. Dick Burden. And so this is something that you may be able to share this podcast to others that you know who might be interested in this topic. It will be up on the website perhaps later this week. And it will be up at www.ayersla.org. That's A-I-R-S-L-A dot org. And it will also be up at the CCLVI webpage at www.cclvi.org. This podcast is also going to be listed along with all the other podcasts that we have done over the past three years. So at this time, I'd like to introduce our panelists. And with each of our panelists, I'd like for you to introduce your name. And if you could then just tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what concerns That you have regarding the topic of dating. Uh, First of all, we'd like to introduce uh, Richard, who's calling in today from Los Angeles. Hi, Richard. Thank you for being on the call.
1: Hi, Dr. Bill, and thank you. Um, Richard Redha used to be former president of CCLVI and board member and um, one of the persons who has been uh, part of the organization for uh, many years now, maybe over 10 years, I think I've been involved.
0: Wow, that's great. Thank you. And what concerns do you have about dating with low vision or what concerns did you have with dating with low vision?
1: I don't know if I have concerns, it's just more of, the idea of it it's just more of finding the right person. I don't know if my vision or lack thereof has been played a role. I think more for me it's finding a work life balance to find time to date uh someone
0: oh yeah, that is true, that is true. You're a very, very busy, busy man, and when you're working and volunteering for different organizations as you do. A lot of times it's difficult to find the time. Uh, Next, uh, thank you, Richard. I'd like to introduce from Vermont, we have uh, Tom and his wife, Janet. Hi, Tom and Janet. Thank you for being on the call.
2: Hi there, Dr. Bill. Uh, Tom Frank. Uh, I'm happily married. I better say that. I'm sitting next (laughs) to her.
0: uh,
2: For everybody listening, that's the best way of, uh, of staying happily married, being able to say those things spontaneously, yes. <laughs> um, and actually, I must admit, I've been married twice. This is my, my second marriage. The first one um, ended in divorce, and from that I have two children. And and just so you know, I still get along okay with my first, first wife, uh, So things aren't that acrimonious, Uh, but but my vision started to go bad, actually, when I was in the Army when I was uh, 21 years old, so I had the whole dating scene until I was 29 when I got married, and I had two children, which I raised, and then that ended, and then Janet and I have been married now for seven and a half years. Actually, on March uh, is, is sort of our 10th anniversary of meeting, so...
0: Oh, that's great.
2: That's great.
0: Well, I've known you for quite a while, Tom, and uh, I think uh, Janet's uh, pretty lucky to have a nice guy like you, and I sure hope that you behave very well when you're with her. (laughs) Oh, better. (laughs) (laughs) Janet, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you.
3: Uh, I'm Janet, and I I was widowed, and I was widowed for almost 10 years before I met Tom. Um, And the vision did not play a part in our relationship at all, only because I was looking for somebody who was steady, uh, who had morals, who was family-oriented, and who didn't mind uh, joining a family that had a lot of baggage, four children, uh, two dogs, and a very um, self-assured woman. So, And Tom was okay with that. (laughs)
0: Oh wow. <laughs> That's great. And Janet, are you visually impaired? Do you have a vision problem?
3: I do not have a vision problem and it's likely I don't. We live in the country on 10 acres of land um and we depend upon me being the transporter. So, driving is my responsibility and if I was visually impaired, we'd have to move.
0: Wow. Now now Tom, uh can you tell our listeners a little bit more about how much vision you have or do you have any vision at all?
2: Yes, I have vision. Uh, She keeps saying that I can't see as well as I think I can see as I run into stuff. Uh, (laughs) Those that know the the technicalities of it, oh, my vision is around 20, 1200 or whatever. Uh, So I have uh, mobility, you know, travel vision. To an extent, no, I can't read normal print. I use VoiceOver on my iPhone. At work, I do have the large uh, screen monitor, but I use the vision uh, very little. Uh, so, you know, can't can't pedal the bicycle. I used to be able at one time, but not the bicycle. Uh, can't drive, sometimes I can't find the car, so it's not a good thing to drive.
3: <laughs>
2: you can't find the car? But I do uh, rely on Janet, and and, I'll, and she said for transportation, but I would point out to anybody who's dating, married, or whatever, I try not to, the whole burden is not on her, Uh to get to work, she drives me up the road four miles, drops me off as a co-worker, comes down the road and picks me up, uh, So, and I work 20 miles away from work, so it's a combination of travel, so the whole burden isn't on her. She takes me to choir rehearsal on Wednesday, but I have somebody there that brings me home, so... I try to take as much responsibility as I can for the transportation, understanding that we do live in the country, and I can't drive.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, I hope when you come home from these, that you bring her home a nice apple pie or a chocolate cake or something once in a while. What? Once in a Chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> <Not>
3: chocolate. <laughs> oh,
0: that's great. That's great. Okay, well, thank you for being on the call. And the next person that we have on the call is Tom. I mean, excuse me, Ken. We've got Ken who's calling in from New York. Ken?
4: Okay. Uh, Ken Stewart, and I'm a longtime member of CCLDI, uh, a past president. I'm currently the president of the New York and New England area chapter of CCLDI. And... um, a lot of my, most of my life, I guess, my vision impairment was not obvious. I didn't start using a white cane until 1997 when my vision got worse. So sometimes it was a little tricky in terms of <clears throat> a, a, a dating somebody who thought I could see better than I could. I can still remember my now former wife being uh, disturbed sometimes when. I, I put on a blue shirt. And she said, "I told you to wear the red shirt today." <laughs> and it was only after that that I realized I was colorblind. <laughs> and uh, but I but I think I agree with uh, Tom that you know one of the concerns would be sharing transportation responsibility as much as possible. Uh, luckily, my wife was an excellent driver and enjoyed doing it. But uh, that, that's that's certainly a practical concern uh, for anybody that can't. Uh, Drive them themselves. I also remember, ironically, uh, when my father was quite elderly and still had a driver's license and a car, he had difficulty getting the car into the garage, and I could see close up better than he could, or or I could make judgments better than he could. So I parked his car in the garage when he did all the driving out on the street.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And at this at the present time, Tom uh Excuse me, Ken. Ken, at the present time, are you married or are you single? I am single. Yeah, okay. I
2: have
4: a daughter and a granddaughter, but I am single. Yeah. And
0: available. Oh great. Great. <laughs> well thanks for being on the call. My pleasure. And uh but no, but, not but definitely not least, uh we have uh Bonnie. Thank you for being on the call, Bonnie.
5: Hi, um I'm Bonnie Rennie. I um where to start. I was a premature baby and low vision until I was 14. And since I wasn't dating at 14, um, I've been totally blind ever since. Um, you may wonder what I'm doing on a, uh, a Council of Citizens with Low Vision call. Um sure hadn't expected to be a participant tonight. Um, I got involved because I was, uh, for a long time, chair of the California Council of the Blind uh, Seniors with Vision Loss Committee, and I knew that I needed to educate myself on the issues and the circumstances currently of people with low vision, as most seniors that are legally blind are people with low vision and not totally blind like me. So that's how I got here. Um, I um, Well, I'm married. I'm happily married um, for 28 years. So any dating I did was as a totally blind woman, and my husband Bob is sighted. Um, he does have a disability; he's hard of hearing, which makes for some very interesting stories—the blind woman the hard of hearing man around the house. But another day. <laughs>
3: well,
0: that's that, that's 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 wonderful though. It's it's wonderful that you could laugh about these things, but uh, those to. types of things do happen. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you very much for being on the call. Thank you. And and uh also uh Richard, you know I forgot to ask you that. Richard, would you share with the audience about your level of vision? Uh
1: yes. Um at one time I was a high partial. I wore bifocals. I didn't use a cane. Um now I use a cane. Well, when I don't work with my dog, I use a cane. I on my second a working dog, and uh, my vision is such where I'm probably more on the low partial of, of the vision spectrum with vision in my right eye, um, 20 over 500 maybe, uh, in in the best conditions with low, you know, good contrast. Uh, I'm terrible with glare, but um, like Tom, I do use voiceover on the phone, and on the computer I use JAWS, and then I do use... Um, it's the one and the only time I put on my former spectacles and uh, put my nose up to the screen and, and use what vision I do have with JAWS and Zoom text, but mostly JAWS. Um, and, and that's my level, my you know, functional vision at this point.
0: Thank you. Well, you know, the first question that I have for all of you in the panel is, what do you feel is the most important thing to remember? As it relates to dating, if you have low vision, I know that there's so many of our patients who are visually impaired. Many of them are totally blind, and they just do not have the confidence that anybody would ever want to go out with them. And I hear it all the time where they say, "Doctor Bill, nobody would want to go out with me because I, I I'm blind." They don't want damaged goods, and I tell them. You're absolutely wrong. And I said, well, how do you know? I said, we have so many patients who come here, and they have boyfriends and girlfriends. They're married. Many of them have many, many boyfriends and girlfriends, which I don't really recommend that. But I said, I have seen it, where people who do have difficulties or differences, they do meet people, and they do fall in love. And it doesn't mean that just because you're visually impaired that you have to go out with another person who is visually impaired. So I feel the first important thing for people to remember is that you can go out. You should go out and you should meet other people and you should just have that confidence that you can meet other people and have a great time. Richard, what do you think is the most important thing to remember as you're thinking about dating, as you have low vision.
1: Yes, and thank you, Dr. but I, I think it comes down to, and it goes back to what you said, the fact that people who are experiencing vision loss are dealing with their own self-identity and then understanding that if the more the, they're out there and socializing, the more confidence they're going to gain about themselves and their self-esteem. And I think... Like the youth I work with, the the more you put yourself out there in the world, whether it's at a book club or at a social, the more, the less your identity is about your vision, the more it is about who you are, who you represent, whether it's going to church, whether it's going out and just visiting with folks. I think if if the the bottom line is, I guess, the, the more you put yourself out there, the less Uh, It is uh, identity it is to your vision loss the more it is to who you are
0: that's great that's really great and you mentioned a, a key word and that is confidence I know that for myself when I first was diagnosed with my retinal disease and I learned from so many doctors that there was no treatment my confidence really really dropped I didn't feel confident to be able to do anything. I knew that I had to retire from being an eye doctor. I knew that I should not drive anymore. I knew that I couldn't play the sports that I used to play. And I thought to myself, what, what can I do? I can't read anymore. I can't use the computer. I, I can't do anything. And my confidence was very, very down at that point in time. And months later, as I started to attend social support groups and other things, I began to talk to other people, and this topic about dating would come up, and I was so surprised when there were other people who were at these meetings. These were people who were sighted, some were partially sighted, and they would say this. They said, you know what, oh my gosh, I would love to go out with you. Your vision doesn't have anything to do with it. It's what kind of a person you are. Are you going to be a person who's fun to be with? Are you going to be a person who likes to go out and have a good time? Are you an honest person? Those are the things that are more important. And as I heard that more and more frequently, I really felt good because I felt confident that people would still want to interact with with me, even though I was I was legally blind, and I also, you know, I, I I am a married man, and I I wasn't interested in going out with other women or anything. But just to hear that from others really helped my confidence quite quite a bit. Uh, Tom, what do you and Janet feel? Are some of the key things to remember and to think about if you're going to be dating with low vision.
3: One of the things that, um, that was very important to me was that Tom was very upfront with his, um, his his eyesight. You know, the first time we met, he he made it very clear that he had was very low vision. Um, so I think honesty is probably the best thing in the beginning. Um, And, you know, he's not defined by his eyesight. He's defined by all the other things that he is. His humor, everything else. And uh, vision doesn't make or break a person as hearing doesn't. You know, it's what you are overall and uh, his positive outlook on life and that type of thing. So I think it's, it's like you said, it's the whole person. Blindness does not define you. So I think, and being straightforward in the beginning, you know, saying, I have challenges. This is who I am.
0: <laughs> wow, that that's really fantastic. Uh, Tom, why was it that you made that decision when you met Janet that you were going to just come straight forward and tell her that you had a vision problem?
2: Well, actually, we met on www.eharmony.com. Oh yeah, is Never. that
0: right? Yep. Oh, went,
2: and because when when you're you're older, the time was I, 50, you know, oh. in my fifties. So, you know, young young people, you you can you go out to the bars, and you know, one of us old guys gonna meet somebody. So
3: yeah, we don't, bar hop. Went,
2: we don't <laughs> bar hop. So went on went on the internet, eHarmony, and they have. Yeah, usually they say it'll take you about three hours to fill out the questionnaire. In my case, it took about four and a half hours to fill out the questionnaire. And the last question that they ask on there, is there anything else that somebody will notice about you that you haven't mentioned yet? Oh, here it comes. (laughs) I said, yes, I use a white cane. I carry a white cane. I am visually impaired, uh, and my view is it's not something I can hide. You know, not you know, meet somebody for the first time, and they would be shocked. So I was very much out front. Of course, I also put that I had a good job at Social Security.
3: And, and, he, and he had two, a picture of him with his two
2: sons, which was a really the killer. <laughs> you know, so so basically, I hate to put it this way. My, my degree is in advertising public relations. It's almost a sales job. You have to believe in yourself. And, you know, you put out your, 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 your good features. It happens to be I'm also visually impaired. Oh, well. That's the way it goes, but everybody has to have that sort of confidence, and you know, say what they feel good about themselves. Because if you don't feel good about yourself, nobody else is going to. Uh, so I think that's one of the most important things. You, as you put in that pointed out in the beginning, you have to have confidence in yourself. If you don't, nobody else will. That's wonderful, Janet. Getting back to that, when you first read
0: his page on eHarmony, and it did state that he used a white cane was and was visually impaired, was that ever something where you said, oh, maybe "I don't, I, I don't, I don't need to deal with this. I don't need to meet somebody who may have more problems." Did, did no, that ever absolutely. come to your mind?
3: We talked about it on the phone a lot in the beginning. You know, I said, "What does that mean? What can you see?" What can't you see? <laughs> you know, um, before I actually met him, it was, it was kind of a—he um, was upfront, and I'm pretty direct. Um, I didn't have any pro- any concerns about it. My friends did; they they kept asking me, "Are you sure you know what you're doing?" Um, because they were concerned that since I like to hike and stuff, that I might be curtailed. And and Tom hasn't curta- curtailed anything, really. Uh, he's been an absolute wonderful addition to our family and he, like i said he 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 took the whole ball of wax and um there's a we have family dinners on sunday nights that sometimes have up to 26 right 26 yeah
0: 26. Yep. oh 26. my goodness at um, this is at, at your home
3: at my at our home yes at our home um so we just, it was a whole, it was he was his best quality or like, the quality that really attracted me to him was him with his sons, and being very family oriented, and loving me, and all of the children and the dogs and everything else that goes with me, <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> and that's part of it. You know, um, he has a very big heart, um, and that's that's really part of it.
0: That's that's really wonderful. And you 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 said something also that. You know, it's the whole person that counts as you're dating and, you know, if you wanted an honest man and a man who could put up with things. And the fact that he was so directly honest, revealing his vision impairment, you know, that really scored points for him, you know, that he was yep. directly honest. And he was able to meet a person who had these very similar values. That is really, really good.
2: Now, I would like to point out one thing, Dr. Bill. In my younger years, I was as I was in the Army, and then my vision was getting a little bit worse when I was in college. So I had a little problem, but after I got out of college, I got a job actually with the Blinded Veterans Association in Washington, D.C. And when I moved into the city, and my vision was a lot better, my mobility was a lot better then. I was more like the 2200, 2400 range at that time but in the city I found out transportation wasn't an issue because there was taxis, the subway, buses and, and this was back in the in the 70s things are a little bit more liberal now but you could say okay I'll meet you at the theater that was quite acceptable in the city or you pull up in the taxi cab so once again, transportation was the big, big issue, and I think it would be very difficult if I lived in an isolated area in the, in the country so I think when you're when you're dating or whether it 's dating or job market or whatever, you have to understand transportation is a limitation, and you have to realize that The person that you meet isn't going to have the answers. You have to take the initiative and have the the answers on how you're going to get from here to there. That's
0: right. I think that's so right. That reminds me of a story. Another patient of mine is a nice gentleman. He is about 60 years old, and he recently began to lose vision due to diabetes. And he met a woman on some type of website, perhaps it was eHarmony and such, and he wanted to take her to see The Lion King at the Pantages Theater here in Hollywood. So he knew that he couldn't pick her up, and he talked to her, but he didn't tell her that he had a vision problem. And he, being a very stubborn person, he also said he will not use a long white cane to help him to walk. So he said, "Well, why don't his idea, his plan was, why don't we go during the work week? Cause I know that she works downtown, and she could very easily just meet him over there near near the Pantages Theater." So they spoke, and that was a really good plan. And he bought really good tickets for the Pantages Theater. He wore a nice suit, and he said, "You know, he was going to get there a bit early, and they were going to meet at a particular location." So. He got there and he's looking around for her, and he figured that she would notice him as he was going to stand
2: right by this water fountain. Okay. Oh. Sorry about that, Dr. Bill. Let me. That's okay.
0: And so, what happens, anyways, he's waiting around, and then uh, she calls him, and she calls out his name, and he calls out her name. He says, "Oh, this is great," and he was so excited that you know he was able to uh meet with her, and he started walking towards her real quickly, and he forgot that there was a water fountain there, and he walked into <laughs> into this huge this huge water pond it was about you know twelve feet by twelve feet square and about four oh, feet no. deep. He had his brand new suit that he bought on, and he walked. <laughs> right into it. As he, as he walked into his feet, went into it, then he tripped. He says, my whole body, I fell all the way in there. He goes, oh my God, I was so embarrassed. And he said, people around were laughing and coming out, hey, are you okay? And he he could do nothing but laugh. <laughs> he gets out and he goes to the woman, he says, you know, I'm really really sorry i did not mean to to fall into this water pot like this and she's laughing and he's laughing he says well i gotta just tell you one thing first he says, i'm i'm visually impaired and i just didn't want you to see me with my cane because i thought that you wouldn't you wouldn't want to go out with me if you knew that i was visually impaired and she just laughs. she says Oh no! Quite the opposite. I'm happy to go out with you. You're just a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> so he said he learned from that. He says, "Boy, it, it's always better to reveal things than up front." <clears throat> uh, Bonnie, how about you? What what kinds of things do you feel are most important as we think about dating? Uh, with low vision, regardless of what age you are?
5: Well, I I really agree with much of what's been said. And um, being honest is very important. Um, Getting yourself out there socially, not whether dating or not dating, being with um, people, including um, people that are potential partners in groups. That should not be under... Um, rated. I, I wanted to go to a couple of points, Dr. Bill. You mentioned earlier uh, people expressing to you feelings of um, low self-esteem or anxiety about um, being visually impaired, being different, um, not measuring up in the eyes of others. Pardon the pun. And um, I I totally understand that feeling. I think it's important to acknowledge if you're feeling that way, so you can begin to deal with it and get support in dealing with it. Um, this is where groups, peer groups of other visually impaired people can be really um, helpful in many cases. Um, it's easy to understand how people feel that way. Um, I have felt that way myself um, at times, especially as a younger person. I was very mainstream, so I was the only person in whatever circle I was in that was visually impaired. There's a lot of good in that, a lot of drawback in that, but it certainly made me feel that I was different. And when you're younger, that's really much tougher, I think, in general, to feel different and to feel that that drags you down rather than something that makes you unique or memorable and not in a negative way. Um, Along with that, I really agree with what was said about if you really feel that way, You really want to deal with that before you start looking at dating because if you believe that you're damaged goods, and I think that's an accurate way of of what people often feel when they feel that way, Um, if you feel that you are damaged goods, what are you going to portray to others? How will others be perhaps more likely to see you? So you really want to address that within yourself and, again, get some support Um, to help you look at your strong points, what you have to offer, and not to dwell on what you don't have. That's, as was said, whether it's on the job, whether it's other social relationships, uh, at work, whatever it is, that's a very important thing, and dating is just the same. Um, I think what hasn't been mentioned is a lot of this, for a visually impaired person, there are other considerations. You know, we can't catch people's eyes as easily I don't really want to say flirt, but, you know, there is that. Um, I guess there are ways of flirting, but, you know, you want to be a little prudent about that, I believe. So um, there are some differences, and um, that's where feeling okay in yourself and what you have to offer will help that. But picking where you're going to look for potential dating candidates is a biggie, and for those of us that go to houses of worship of whatever kind, um, that's one. I know I I met my husband there. I dated a couple of people that I met at work, but that has it. That's a whole other story, for another day, of perhaps the wisdom of that. They weren't people that, you know, I was. That would have been an awkward situation, and that's all true for sighted people, partially sighted people doesn't matter. It's where you look for a potential dating partner. Um, so houses of worship is one place that it makes it a little easier um, because you have some things in common and some opportunities to attend things and get to know and get to be known before the whole dating. It isn't like going to a bar and the whole deal of that. If, if people like to go to bars, I'm not criticizing that, but um, there's that drawback Another way is if you wanna volunteer for a cause um some worthy cause um that helps others or to get into a book club or if you like music um whatever your interests are, maybe a hiking club and lots of visually impaired i've I've hiked with groups when I was dating um, and i'm you know if I can do it, I was no expert hiker, whatever your interests are meeting people who have those interests allows them to get to know you and you to get to know them. And from there, same as with sighted people, it, it, it has a better opportunity to more naturally flow um, where people aren't so focused on or they're used to your vision loss and you, they're used to your cane or your dog or, or whatever um, you use to uh, compensate
0: Thank you. Those are some really good suggestions, and I really like the fact that when you are reminding people, maybe it's better to work on yourself first, because for many people with low vision or people who are totally blind, they, are, again, are either so angry or they have this low self-esteem that you're, you're really not any fun to be around just because of the temperament that you have at that point in time. And I think we all need to look at ourselves and evaluate, am am I, am I a fun person to be with? Am I a person that's easy to get along? Or am I a person who's demanding that everybody does things for me? And I also like the other idea that you brought up about social groups, being in a group with people. There have been so many times that My patients who are looking to meet people and to have fun, we've recommended that they join different types of groups, and they do things in a very large group, and from that they became very close friends, and later they became, you know, in love, and it, it has worked very, very well, and I think for many people, when you're not expecting to fall in love, that is when you do end up falling in love and meeting people, and it works very, very well. Uh, Ken, how about you? What are some of your thoughts regarding what is so important now, to remember?
4: I agree with uh, the other points that have been made, for example, the importance of self-esteem. And just a few days ago, I was being interviewed by a, some uh, project that is doing uh, interviews with blind people, and so I was asked about you know, how I feel about my blindness, and I said, what I've said other times, too. I said, well, you know... Uh, My blindness is, uh, you know. Oh, no, I'm playing the hand I was dealt, and it's true that, you know, my blindness is a low card, but it's in there with four aces. So I think that's, uh, you know, an illustration of of the importance of self esteem and, and realizing you're lots of things, not just your, you know, your vision impairment is just one aspect of you. And then the, another point that's been made several times already, I would reinforce and that is being upfront with people. And I've found that that's one of the uh, secondary advantages of carrying a white cane. A white cane is very important to me in terms of navigating, but it also alerts people. Don't expect me to you know, to see everything that's going on. And it reminds me of uh, experience I had before I started wearing uh, using a white cane when my vision was uh, better. As what. I guess the classification called a high partial. And I met a woman and we started dating. And gradually she would have experiences with me where she would realize I wasn't seeing something. So I felt a little bit apologetic to her. I said, you know, but, you know, how what was your reaction when you started realizing how, how bad my eyesight was? She really surprised me. She said, oh, I think it's a great advantage. If we're, if we're at a big party and that attractive woman on the other side of the room is trying to flirt with you, I don't have to worry about that.
0: That's true. <laughs> well, you know, that reminds me of another situation. I have another young patient, and she was a very attractive young young woman. She was probably about 28 years old and she had a retinal disease, and she had no central vision in either eye. So one of the things is that when she looked at you and spoke to you, it was very interesting because she would use her peripheral vision to see you. So it essentially appeared as though she was looking at the wall, but she was actually using her remaining vision to see you. And this topic about dating, she said, you know, I really don't know why I'm having such a difficult time with this whole thing about dating. I, 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 don't, I don't get asked out on dates very often. And I do meet people, and when we do go out, I might go out on one date, but after that, then they don't call me again. And she says, you know, what do you think that it is? She says, I think it's because of my inability to make eye contact. And I said, you know, that could be part of it. Maybe some people feel, they get the impression that you're not interested in them because you're having a hard time making eye contact. I said, let's do this. I'm going to teach you how to make your eyes appear to be making eye contact with the other person. Now, this is going to be something that's going to be very difficult for you because You want to see the person across from you, but when you look at them with your center of your vision, you won't be able to see them. She goes, well, I'm willing to try it. So within about three weeks, she became very, very efficient at being able to move her eyes towards the direction of where she heard the voice of the person that was speaking with her. And she then started to use that technique at work And when she went out on dates and other things, and she said that was one of the most valuable things that she learned to do. She feels that that ability to make eye contact, even if you cannot see, is something that is very, very important. And as I was losing my sight, that was something that I really concentrated on very, very much to make my eyes look at the eyes of the person that I was speaking to. And I was at a, a luncheon just the other day, and this gentleman, he he said to me, you know what, I never knew you were visually impaired until you walked up on the stage with your cane. He says, you know, when we were eating lunch, you, you're looking right at my eyes. I had no clue. And I said, oh, you know, I think this is just a habit that I've learned to to look at people even if I can't see them. He goes, that is so amazing. And when we look at a lot of young people or older people who are low vision, many times their eyes are just pointing downward and you'll get the feeling that they're not interested in you at all. So if you are going to be dating, I think it's a very, very good idea to remember to try and to make eye contact or to do something that lets another person know that you are paying attention. It might Uh, be either just acknowledging by saying, oh, yes, I understand, or you might be tapping them on their hand or their arm or whatever that it might be uh, to let them know.
4: Can I respond to that, Bill? Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that, and I wrote an article once that was published, I think probably in our CCLVI magazine, Vision Access, and it was called, looks can be deceiving, and I described experiences I had as a teenager on two different occasions where somebody was insisting that I look at them. My mother wanted to tell me something important, and a neighborhood girl wanted me to coach her in terms of diving, so she wanted me to be sure I was watching her. And In both instances, I insisted that I was looking at them, and I didn't realize that doctors never told me that I had central blindness and that I was using my peripheral vision without realizing what my eyes looked like and from those two experiences, I figured out for myself that I must be aiming my eyes to the side and because of that. So then I trained my brain to get my eyes to aim straight ahead. And from then on, I started crashing into other pedestrians on the sidewalk. <laughs> but, uh, it, but but I certainly agree that I think the the appearance of paying attention is, is very important. And for somebody with central blindness, the idea is you put the blind spot on their face <laughs> and then yeah. it looks. It reassures them that you're paying attention.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, Bonnie, uh, when you first met the gentleman that you're currently married to, um, what was that? What was that situation as to how you guys met? Was it that at church? And did you ever ask him? Did he have concerns about your vision loss?
5: Um, well, we met. Um many years ago at a um, church that had a very large singles group. I mean, it was really large. And there was an activity um, that it was a large group activity. And as a result of the activity, it was right at the, in the church building there um, where we got to meet. And so that was the initial contact from there, we talked and all of that, and I would say it was probably a pretty normal thing, um, as would develop um, common interests and things that weren't the same and all that. Um, and later on, um, I I did ask him. I certainly didn't ask him in the beginning. Uh, I was more shy in those days, and again, I was somewhat younger, quite a bit younger, Um and I think he did have some, um well, I'm looking for a word. He wasn't put off by me, but he had not been around a blind person before.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And I think his having a disability himself, which in those days, he felt he needed to conceal and was somewhat concealing because... uh The hearing aids he was wearing then weren't real visible. Now he'll wear hearing aids. He wants you to know that he's, um, has a disability. I see that as real growth on his part in the same way. Um, not to try to hide it so people understand. Um, and I think, um, when we did talk about it, he just, he was, he was willing to just get to know me. Um, We were just dating, you know, in the beginning. It wasn't like a big commitment or anything. So he was just open to, well, who's this girl and and what is she like and um, are we going in the same direction and what interests? So it was because it was a low-key dating that we had. It was no uh, rush, rush passionate um, courtship immediately or anything. That allowed for both of us to just uh, kind of... uh, Take things easy, and let things develop where he had a chance to understand what my disability meant, what I could or couldn't do, and how I did things, like I remember the first time I had him over for dinner, and he wasn't really surprised that I could cook, and I'm no wonderful cook, but I you know made this dinner and I cleaned up the house and all that by that time he wasn't it wasn't a big deal, but he was curious about how I did it because he never knew anyone. That didn't do it the way sighted people do, so that kind of thing.
0: Did you ever tell him certain things that you would 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 like for him to do to make things easier for you when you first started dating? For example, did you tell him, "Would you please not keep a door partially open? Would you have <laughs> it all the way open or all the way closed so I don't run right into it?" or any oh, of those other types of uh, <laughs> suggestions we have
5: yes i'm sure um i must have said that to him at some point um not not too long into the relationship cuz that is a big pet peeve um i remember uh, things like um can i take your arm when we're walking this was you know before we were really at the hand holding stage and all of that mm-hmm. yeah um and Explained to him how sighted guide works a little bit, kind of demonstrated it without making a real big deal about it. And I'm trying to remember what else I might have told him. Um, you know, I'm, I really I can't remember. I might have asked him to like read the menu to me. Mm-hmm. Um, little obvious things like that. That's all I can really remember.
0: So, informing uh, the person you're dating of things they could do to make things easier for you. Do you recommend that? Do you think that's a helpful thing, or does it come across as you're being too demanding?
5: I I think that is a real individual thing. I think it's a balanced thing. I think both of those things are true. You want to let people know, um, anticipate what they might be wondering, so you put them at ease. Like when we're walking somewhere, how do you want me to assist you, or do you want me to assist you? If you take the initiative and let him know, um, if there's something that you have a trouble finding or seeing or knowing, like I'm sure I explained to him early on that with my cane, which I explained how the cane worked and whatever, that I was pretty good at detecting stairs. He didn't have to go slower um, or tell me every little move we made when we were going, you know, like to a concert or something and you're doing turns and step up and step down and a lot of maneuvering, Um, you want to anticipate what they might want to know as to how to help you. But on the other hand, my goodness, um, relationships are give and take, so hopefully the person isn't needing to have um, a lot of needs met in that way. If it's an adult relationship, um, I don't know if I'm making myself clear, but um, if it's something that's really a big deal to you, it's better to take the initiative and let them know before it's an awkward situation. And other than that, um, just uh, try not not to be too needy. Um, there's something else going on if you are. Yes. That? yes. Sure yes.
0: I, I would agree with that. Uh, Janet, when you and Tom first started going out, do you recall were there times that he would tell you things that you could do that would be helpful? Or did you tell him things that you felt he shouldn't be asking you to do? Did you say to him, I don't want to be your maid?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, Tom has it's a very jolly spirit. And so we'd be walking down the main street in Berlin, and he sat singing. And i say, don't sing. You. People are looking at you as it is because he's walking with his white cane. And, and then he sat humming. Say, don't hum. <laughs> 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 and, and now I, 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 I used to like I use the light candles. Let's go. You know, people will stop. The only thing that was not going to stop is teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> but in the beginning, it was a little, you know, and like I said, Tom is extremely smart. But we're, uh, being with somebody and seeing, and I see the visual, the visual, he doesn't. And the reaction people have to sometimes to a blind person is, awful. They considered you can't see, you can't think. And a couple of times in the store, they start, he stopped start talking and they were talking to him for a second. And as soon as they realized he couldn't see, they look at me, what does he want? And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's not right. So that was a part that was you know, a, a little bit of a, a challenge, I guess. It was
2: challenge a that was, as I said, I think I've said this a couple of times before, yeah. Walking down the street, and then she wouldn't let me sing, she wouldn't let me whistle. So I go, Roof! no animal sounds. <laughs> and, and her idea, at that time, because she doesn't like people looking at her, I think it's more than... Yes, in, it's,
3: and, and I'm more self-conscious.
2: Yeah, and you're with him, oh my Lord. And <laughs> and, and now... When we're crossing the street, where is that magic cane? She pushes me out in front to make the traffic stop. It does. <laughs> it's just.
3: It's work with though. They're oblivious. You
2: know. So once again, it's just getting understanding that if you're visually impaired, but the other person, if the other person is not, they have to get used to it, too. So you can't expect Good them. They live in your world. They don't live in your world. There's, there's,
3: a, there's some things the visual impaired have uh, an advantage on when, t- when we're talking to people. They have no clue as to whether the person's getting, you know, um, tied to the conversation or whatever. And being the, the visual partner of that uh, of that conversation, you can see that the person's like, okay, they're trying to get away. Um, <laughs> yes to get, and Tom's a talker, <laughs> um, trying to get him to kind of like, okay, it's enough, honey, it's enough. <laughs> That's <laughs> the, you know, Those are the kind of things that it's like, you know, the visual cues, you're missing so many visual cues, it's hard for him, and it's hard
2: Thinking, uh, Doctor Bill, le- listening to everything, and um, involved with the Vermont Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired, and on the board of directors there, and we're working with teenagers because, and those that are listening in, if they're Voc Rehab counselors, parents, or whatever, you need to work with your children to work with the whole idea of eye contact social interaction, because what other individuals can pick up, uh, they're not going to pick up those sighted cues. It might have been differently when there were all the schools for the blind. Uh, almost everybody's mainstream now. So these are learned skills, and unless, you know, teenagers, young adults, Everyone is there to point out these, they're not likely to learn them either. Tom
3: Dr. Bill, Fantastic visual contact, by the way. Um, you would not know if he's blind by when, when he's talking to you because he does make great eye contact. Um, he does presentations. He works the room. You know, um, doing exactly what you're supposed to do, whether you're visually impaired or, or, or visual, um, he makes that contact. Um, so you, know, you, you wouldn't be able to tell he definitely is visually impaired.
0: (laughs) Wow, thank you. Well, you know, in closing, i like to ask Richard. Richard works with young, young people all the time. Yeah. And if you could share information to our young listeners out there, how can they contact the organizations such as the Junior Blind or others to participate in social groups and to begin meeting with others and begin talking, having this conversation?
1: I think it goes back to what Tom says. I think those uh, those demonstration of affection through social skills, uh, soft skills, nonverbal communication cues. Those are the types of things I think any organization in transition forum worth its salt will address at some point, uh, as such that we do in our programs. And um, it's very critical to to get those skill sets down because not only does it uh, allows someone to engage in the other peers uh, who are sighted and, and and be accepted with those nonverbal communications. It also allows them to engage in the world of work and in, be in employed and in all that fancy stuff that goes with being a young adult. Um, your question, I apologize, was how do folks get involved or, or contact us? Yes, uh-huh. Well, I, there there are several ways. I think um, if you're looking through the global lens of CCLVI, CCLVI.org has a resource section. But uh, I work for Junior Blind at Junior J U N I O R Blind.org, and uh, our we we have a variety of transition workshops for young adults. Uh, and it's not just about dating dating with vision loss. It's it's on a variety of subject matter. But I think getting involved at a young age if if you are visually impaired or blind uh, from birth or early on it's it's important to be mainstream because that's where i how i was raised but it's also important to know your blind skills know your low vision skills so you can acclimate into the sighted world
0: fantastic and if people want to get in touch with you at the junior blind is there a telephone number there
1: yeah, I'll give out the uh, toll-free number, which I believe is nationwide, it's 888-400-3552. Uh, let me think, 800-400-3552, no, 888-400-3552, um, and then my extension is 460, and my email is ruretha, R-R-U-E-D-A, at juniorblind.org, it's ruretha at org.
0: That is fantastic. Well, we're out of time, but I want to thank each and every one of our panelists for being on this discussion. And for any of those who have additional questions, you can contact any of us through the CCLVI webpage, or you could call me directly at 310-597-2549. Again, I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Dick Burden from Ayers Alley for recording this. This podcast will be available at www.airsla.org and also at www.cclvi.org. And I hope that you'll join us next month when we have a very special guest, Dr. Paul Freeman, who will be talking about how to find a low vision doctor who can help you with many of your vision types of problems. So until next month, I wish all of you a very safe and healthy, healthy day. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody.